Welcome to the River Bluff Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon from Lead Pastor Joe Still. And for more information about us, please visit riverbluff.org. Good morning, everybody. How y'all doing? My name is James Dangerfield. I'm a lieutenant colonel in the Army National Guard in South Carolina, and I wanted to do a quick prayer with y'all to honor those for Memorial Day. If you could please join me in prayer. As it is written in John 15:13, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. And Jesus, you are our first and most perfect example of this. Lord God, bless this country, the personnel deployed in the Army, Navy, Marines, Coast Guard, and Air Force to include the National Guard and Reserves. And please, Lord, watch over the retirees who served our country so faithfully. Um, we ask you, Lord, to take those who have given their lives in the service of this wonderful country into your hands and to watch over their families who are left behind. May our country's military always turn their face to you, Lord. And Lord, we ask you to give Pastor Joe your words. In Jesus' holy, precious name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Joe. Thank you. Thank you. Well, we are uh, obviously the recipients this morning of those who who gave their lives so that we could do what we're doing right here in worship and so I, I hope uh, one that you will take some additional time this weekend to, to thank God um, if you know of a family who their loved one gave their lives in service of our country I'd encourage you to reach out to them just tell them thank you uh, for the sacrifice that they made um, on behalf of their loved one. And I, I, would, I would do that. I would also say I, I know Memorial Day weekend is not, a, not the day that we celebrate um, everyone who's currently enlisted and serving. But I do think it is a great opportunity, a great reminder for us to maybe stop those uh, in armed services and just say thank you for your service. Thank you for loving us and, and, and caring for us that way. Thank you for answering the call in your life that God, that God has given you. And uh, I think that's just a great way to do it. One of, the, one of the things that I understand that they sacrificed so much for was so that we as God's people would have the freedom to worship like we do, to gather like we do, to be connected like we do. And we live in a day and age where that connection can be enhanced by lots of resources. And one of those resources we rolled out last week called Realm. And it is a tool to help us get connected and stay even more connected as God's people, uh, both corporately as a church and then within small groups and uh, so I want to encourage you to get engaged on in realm now uh, if you you're saying okay you told me last week I should have got an email if you did not get an email invitation into realm last week please call the church office or email Lynn Kite her her email address is in the newsletter under that section about realm to, to let us know that you did now if you're if you're just kind of new to the river we may not have an email on you yet but this is one of the places we'll do most of our communication and interaction and would love for you to be a part of it so you can just call the, the church office and give us your email address or write it on a connection card um, this morning and drop it in the offering plate when it's passed at the end of the service and, uh, and say uh, get me in realm and we'll, we'll send you an invitation to get you into realm. So I, I hope you'll take that step. If you're already in one of the things that uh, I would encourage you to do is, is upload a current picture of yourself. Because if you don't, um, some of you, we have the picture when you joined um, that just pops up. And, um, you know, from like the 1970s or something like that. You, you want a newer picture. Uh, and here's why. That's going to serve as our pictorial directory. You know, we don't do that thing where you bring your family and we take pictures and we, we don't do that. This will serve as our pictorial directory. So I hope you will take a, a, advantage of that. And it seems like there's one more thing I'm supposed to tell you about the realm. Oh, yes mobile app. Um, you can go to your mobile store, type in Realm Connect, 
And you can get the realm on your phone. I think that's how most of us are going to end up using it. It's very user friendly. Still got some glitches they're working out. But um, I would encourage you to do that on your mobile phones. I see some of you are doing it now. Kudos to you. Go for it. Um, it's, it's a great way to stay connected with what's going on uh, here at the river. And there are a lot of things that God is giving us opportunity to be engaged in. And one of the things that we believe about God. We talked about this last week. Is, is God is on mission redeeming a lost world. We believe that. We believe that started, you know, uh, after Genesis 3. We see that. Now, the Bible tells us that it's always been on his heart that God was going to do that. He knew mankind would fall. So, it, it, before the foundation of the world, he, he intended to redeem the lost world. Now, here's the really cool part. Once you are one of the redeemed, guess what? He invites you to join him on his mission. On that great mission of redeeming uh, the lost world. And we've been invited as a church in so many ways. In so many expressions to join God as what he's doing. Please hear me say this. We do not think that this is what we're doing. This is what God is doing. And he says, come on, join me. Get in the game. And so anything from NDIP to other ministries locally and then globally. And we're going to look at some of those this morning. One of the things that God invited us into was a unique relationship uh, with a local school, Oakbrook Elementary. And I'm going to let this video uh, about one of our members tell you a little bit more about it. This appeared on News 2 a while back. If y'all run that, please. Gloria Cribben just looks like a teacher. She sounds like one too. Gloria and her late husband Larry had a passion for reading and wanted to give back in their retirement. So when they learned about Reading Buddies, which is an outreach ministry of River Bluff Church, they were hooked. Now she's continuing to fulfill his passion for reading as the driving force behind the program at Oak Brook Elementary School in Somerville. It pairs buddies with students who just need a little extra help achieving their reading goals. They read to me and I read to them and we, we play literacy games and puzzles and do things that are, you know, fun for them because the whole idea is they have plenty of teaching going on all day long. The idea is for this half hour to be fun and spark that, that little fire that's gonna make them love to read. It's working. Teachers at Oakbrook rave about Gloria and her growing army of volunteers. She's recruited more than 40 reading buddies from the community, which doubles the number of children getting the extra help they need to more than 80. You see her with the kids and you know that she's not in it for the glory. She's in it for the kids. Um, just like when I told her she had this award, she said, well, I don't want the attention on me. I just want to make sure that people know about this program so hopefully we can get more readers. It's so rewarding because you can see the results. We have four young children now who are reading. They're on their way to success, right? You got it, guys. <laughs> Gloria says the goal has always been to bless as many children as possible. And next year, Eagle Nest Elementary will launch Reading Buddies as well. Brad Franco, count on two. Gloria would also tell you that she is in it for the kids, but she's also in it for God's glory. She prays for opportunities to share both with teachers and with the students that she gets to impact. And uh, that the gospel. And she wants to be part of God's redemptive mission. And I, I've had the privilege, several of our staff have had the privilege, many of you have had the privilege and honor of being a part of what God is doing on Oak Brook Elementary School campus. And it is a lot. The gospel is opened up there. We're, we're having the privilege of, of share the gospel, pray into with teachers. Just some really cool stuff is happening there. And so, uh, though the, the season is ending, the reason we're telling you about it now is to say, you can be a part of it next year. Now, here's... About five years ago, the South Carolina Baptist Convention issued a challenge to all SCBC churches to say this. We think you ought to adopt a local elementary school. In fact, the goal is that every elementary school in the state of South Carolina be adopted by a local church. Um, the, the director or state superintendent of education is in on this. She wants to see this happen. And so we're a part of that. And so our goal has been not only to get connected at Oak Brook, but try to fan the flame of this uh, kind of being an outbreak into others. And this year, one of the things that's happened is one of the reading buddies who's not a 
member of our church. They're a member of, of, an, of a different church. She's kind of got caught up in that. And now she wants to invite her church to launch this at Eagle's Nest. And so this coming year at Eagle's Nest, we're helping try to move this along. Gloria is uh, get a, a Reading Buddies program launched at, at Eagle's Nest Elementary School. And we're, we're really excited about that. You can be a part of that. You may say, I want to go help that get started. Uh, so if you've got that kind of entrepreneurial, want to start something new spirit, that'd be a great place for you to dive into ministry and we'll keep you updated on, on how that's going. Um, so we, we just want to say yay God for, for, for that incredible blessing. And, and God, God's at work all around us, um, immediately around us in our community, but also globally. This past Thursday I was uh, on the phone call with one of our North American uh, mission board leaders and he was telling me about his own church uh, is, has been sent into Cuba. They've been working there for about 14 years outside of Havana and he said, he said it's like God has just blown things up in a church planting movement and I was able to say we're, we've been invited recently uh, by God to be a part of what God is doing in Cuba, not in Havana but in the eastern part of Cuba and some of you are aware of this, some of you may not about three years ago God invited River Bluff Church to join him in what he was doing in, in a place called Bayamo Cuba and we've been able to get deeply connected um, to brothers and sisters there. Uh, we had a team go into Cuba fairly recently and I've asked Dave Harden if he would come and just share a little bit about what went on on this, this most recent trip. Um, Dave come on and have a seat with me if you would. I'm going to move this out the way. For those of you that don't know, this is our brother Dave Harden. I think most of you know him. He's usually one of the smiling faces you meet when you walk in our door. Um, Dave, uh, we, we've been in about three years, two and a half years, three years, and uh, you've been kind of at the tip of, the, uh, of that whole movement. Tell us about this most recent trip in and what, what God's done there and how God has used this group of people to kind of bless um, in an extended way what's going on in Bayama. Certainly. Well, um, as Joe mentioned earlier, uh, we just get to be a part of what God is already doing. And, and we have several sister churches in Bayamo, and God is working greatly to spread the gospel through both of those churches. They have started many small groups meeting in homes. We've got to witness the growth of the church. Many are being saved. Many are being discipled. And uh, we get to be a part of that. One I of the and say something. Mm -hmm. One of my great joys when I got to go over there one time was I, I love baptizing people in our pool. That, that's, that's really exciting. I got to baptize people in a 55-gallon drum. That, that was like really way cool. Just, just, just a lot of fun. Sorry. They're, just, they're making disciples and we're getting to enjoy it. Yeah. Um, certainly. One of the things that we uh, had the privilege of experiencing on this last trip was uh, with our sister church, Ebenezer Church. And they have a young man who's a pastor, uh, Carlos, his wife, Anna. They have two young kids. And not only is Carlos a pastor, but he's also currently a seminary student. He's looking to graduate in October. And so he, he goes Monday through Friday to Santiago de Cuba, a couple hours away from Bayamo, and stays there for seminary. His family stays back in Bayamo, and he comes home and he pastors on the weekends. And about nine months ago, I was talking with him and uh, asked him what their needs were as a church. And he said, well, we've started 30 small groups in homes, and I'd really like to buy this piece of property that's right in the central area of where those 30 small groups meet so that we can gather together on Sunday mornings. He already pastors two different churches and wanted to relocate one of those churches to this location. He said they had raised $3,000, but they needed a total of $9,000. So we as River Bluff uh, brought in $6,000 to give them to purchase this piece of property. Um, not this last trip, but the one previous to that. And on this last trip then, we got to go in and we got to uh, see this piece of property that he bought. And they had uh, converted a home into a place uh, where they could gather for worship. Carlos and Anna and his family live uh, in the house that's connected to that. And they are 
an incredible blessing to their surrounding community. They've already outgrown the church that they converted, and now they're having to expand that. Um, they, they currently have about 150 people gathering, but God has uh, seen many more saved, and, and many more people are coming to that church. He's got uh, an incredible vision to bless the surrounding community, so he's building a cistern on the property so they could have a consistent uh, supply of clean water, not just for themselves, but for the surrounding community. He's building a big facility on that piece of property that we helped purchase to um, allow for marriages and community get-togethers. And, and so what we did to help them purchase this piece of property to plant a church, God is now using to bless the whole community around them. And so, Amen. just so thankful that we had the privilege to be a part of that. Amen. Absolutely. Now, you're, you're leading another team, or you're kind of going with a team, uh, another missionary who's been serving in Cuba for a while. And one of the areas that he kind of has expertise in is in helping the church uh, and leaders in the church develop, start micro-businesses. Can can you tell us just briefly about that for just a second and what you're going in to do this time? Certainly. Um, so I, I have the privilege of going with this missionary to Cuba, James Valence, and uh, David Palmer, who's a part of our uh, church family. He's also the dean of business at Charleston Southern University. And the three of us are going to go and experience and see some of these micro-businesses that have already been started with pastors and other church leaders in central Cuba. Then we're going to make our way over to Bayamo and um, do an assessment of how we can help our own sister churches start up micro-businesses so that they too can uh, have a way to sustain themselves financially and, and not only be a blessing to themselves, but to be a blessing to their surrounding community. And when, when do y'all leave for that? We'll be going uh, early July. And it'll be about a 10-day trip. We don't have the exact dates yet. Cuba in July. God bless you. God bless you. Hey, um, I, I've asked Dave if he would lead us to pray for the work that God is doing in Cuba and the invitation that he has given and is giving us, uh, hopefully giving some of you to participate in, in that in the days ahead. I'm going to ask you, uh, also I didn't ask you this earlier, but continue to pray that God would... Um, give us access because there's just some government things going on. We just want to continue to have access if God would in his grace allow us to do that. Just, so pray for our partners and, and the next trip and, uh, and uh, for that work if you would please brother. Father God, we thank you so very much for allowing us to get to know you better as we experience you at work um, in the people in Cuba and the churches there. And so we, we thank you for this incredible privilege that you've invited us into. And we, we pray for this upcoming trip to uh, Cuba in July. Pray that you would go before us, work out all the details uh, for what's needed. We pray that you would allow us to clearly see and witness and experience the businesses that have been started. Give us the, the wisdom to know how we can then uh, help our brothers and sisters in Bayamo to start up micro businesses for themselves and, and for more importantly for your glory. And so we thank you once again that as a family of River Bluff, you've called us to join you in this work. We pray that you'd continue to give us uh, open access through religious visas to enter into Cuba and just continue to encourage and strengthen in faith our, our brothers and sisters there in Cuba. And so we, we give you all the glory and we pray that your name would be made great throughout uh, all of Cuba and in Bayamo. Amen. <laughs> Thank you, brother. Hang on to that because you're going to be back in a minute. Um, if you would, go ahead and grab your, uh, your worksheets and listening guides. You can grab your Bibles and open them to Ephesians chapter 1 if you want to. Uh, we, we've been in a series called Connect. We're continuing that series today. And uh, what's going to be a little bit unusual about how we're going to go at this is, how many of you have ever heard the, the saying, you can't see the trees because of the forest? Any, anybody ever heard that saying? Yeah. Um, in Baptist life, when it comes to God's word, sometimes we make the opposite uh, 
you know, little faux pas there. We, we, we sometimes don't see the big picture because we're so busy trying to find the, 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 the new fresh revelation from God. We get, we get caught up in the details sometimes. It's not bad. But sometimes we need to step back and see the big picture. And so what I want us to do today is I want to look at the whole of the book of Ephesians for the big redemptive plan of God that, that's revealed there. Because there, there's a global mission strategy in the book of Ephesians that I want us to be, we, be captured by this morning. And part of that is because we, we believe this. We talked about, this is one of our core beliefs last week. We believe God is on mission to redeem the lost world. We believe that, is, that God has been doing that uh, since really uh, Genesis chapter 3. We, we know of that. In Genesis chapter 3, it tells us of the coming Messiah. God, God's at work redeeming a lost world. Now, if God is at work redeeming a lost world, everyone who's part of God's family is called out on that same mission. So if you're, if you're a Christ follower, if, if Jesus is your Savior and your Lord, God has commissioned you, Jesus has commissioned you to be on mission with God. Where you live, work, and play. And, and to the uttermost parts of the world. We, we have that, that commissioning. Now, if, if God is on mission to redeem a lost world, if you're his child and he's given you that mission, then one of the things that would also stand to reason is that every book in this book would point to that mission. And it does. And the book of, Ephesus, uh, of Ephesians, this letter to the church at Ephesus, is no different. It points to God's great global mission and how God calls us to be a part of it. Now, remember, Paul wrote this letter from a prison. And he's writing it to the church at Ephesus and the surrounding area. Most scholars believe that he intended it, that it, that it would be a, uh, a letter that would be given out to pretty much all the churches in Asia Minor. And because of that, Paul gives a, a, what I would call a global missions mindset that undergirds the whole book here. And there are three principles about this global mission mindset that I want to just open our eyes to today. The first one is this, is that God's plan is world redemption and God is working his plan. It is God's plan that to redeem the lost world and God is working his plan. Now you may recall, if you were here when we started our study uh, in the book of Ephesians, this letter, that Paul starts with this incredible blessing. He celebrates the uh, God for the grace that he has given to believers because of their union in Christ. And specifically, um, he, he makes some statements that he's thankful to God for. And the first one we see in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4, he says... Even before he, speaking of God, made the world, God loved us and chose us. Paul wants you to know that if you're in Christ, it was because God chose you. He loved you and he chose you. He chose you to be in Christ and to be holy and without fault in the eyes of God. So if you're in Christ, there's, there's no fault in you. God sees you faultless. He goes on, Paul does, to praise God that not only have we been chosen, but we've been redeemed. Verse 7 of Ephesians 1 says, He is so rich in kindness and grace that He, speaking of God, purchased our freedom with the blood of His Son and forgave our sins. He, he redeemed us. He bought us back because we, we had fallen away we were in captivity we were enslaved to sin the Bible says and God redeemed us he bought us back but then Paul goes on and he said not only that did he, did he, did he cho choose us and did he redeem us but he also has given us an inheritance God has this great inheritance planned for those he redeems verse 11 tells us this furthermore because we're united in Christ we have received an inheritance from God and Paul praises God for, for that inheritance. And he praises God also that that inheritance has been sealed in the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 13. It says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. So the deal is sealed. So Paul stressed not only all these blessings because of our relationship. When you read the book of uh, Ephesians, you'll see over and over again this phrase, in Christ, in Him. Some translations say in the Messiah, uh, in the beloved. All over and over again, there's this image of, of what has been bought for those who are in Christ, in Him. But also that... Not only did we receive, but we're a part of God's plan. 
See again, since the fall, God has been on a mission to redeem a lost world. If you go back to Genesis chapter 3 verse 15, it tells us that God was going to accomplish his mission through the seed of the woman that crushed the serpent's head. That's the way the Bible describes what would happen at, at Jesus' coming through his death, burial, resurrection. That the, the power of Satan over God's chosen would be, literally be crushed. And so uh, in this opening chapter uh, of this letter, Paul talks of God's plan. Uh, he talks in, in ways to, uh, about this plan being sovereign. That God worked to adopt us. It was part of his redemptive plan before the world. That if you're in Christ, God adopted you. That was part of God's plan. Uh, this is spelled out really incredibly well in, in verse 5 and verse 11. Look at this with me. It says, his unchanging plan has always been. How long is how always? Long time. It has always been to adopt us into his own family by sending Jesus Christ to die for us. And he did this because, why did, why did God do this? He wanted to. God, God, wanted, God wanted you. God wanted to do this. This wasn't, he wasn't, you know, you know oh shucks, I got to go down there and save those crazy people. He didn't do that. God, God wanted to do this. Look, look at what verse 11 says. Moreover, on top of that, moreover, because of what Christ has done, we have become gifts to God that he delights in. Did you get up this morning and look in the mirror and think, God delights in me. God delights in me. God delights in me. Now, some of you may have said it this way. Well, I guess maybe God could delight in me. You know, it's not that way. God delights in you. And, and God's word wants you to see that. He goes on to say, For as part of God's sovereign plan, we were chosen from the beginning to be his. And all things happen just as he decided long. He decided this a long time ago. Long time ago. A second kind of way that the book of Ephesians points to God's great redemptive plan. Three times in this chapter, just it repeats this over and over again. It talks about this being his purpose. It does it in verse 5, in verse 9, in verse 11. This is God's purpose. Also in Ephesians chapter 1, Paul displays God's plan of redemption. Not as something that, you know, he devised kind of willy-nilly, kind of like a plan B alternative. This was always... It was, it was God's wisdom at work. It has always been part of his plan. And, and Paul finally concludes that first chapter by talking about the deal is sealed. If you're in Christ, the deal is sealed because the Holy Spirit is in you. And it is a down payment on the great inheritance that is yet to come for you. For everybody who's in Christ. Now, not only has God faithfully delivered on this covenant promise through the indwelling of the Spirit, but we have this assurance because of the Holy Spirit living in us that you and I one day will possess all that God has promised to us in Christ. And so it's, it's this inheritance that's yet to come. And all of that is in Ephesians chapter 1. And, and yes, it's a celebration of God's goodness, but it's pointing to his plan, that great redemptive plan. Second thing that I see, kind of the overarching big picture of God's redemptive plan uh, in Ephesians is this. Is God plans to unite all people from all places in Christ. God's plan is to unite all people from all places in Christ. Now throughout, throughout the Old Testament covenant, we see God's plan of redemption being centered on the nation of Israel. But it was really to be centered through the nation of Israel. His plan has always been that the whole world would know. And so even, even in the Old Testament, you see Gentiles, people like us. Most of us are not Hebrew born. Okay, most of us in here are, are Gentiles. And God's plan has always been to redeem the whole earth, Jews and Gentiles. But in the New Testament, that gets clarified. God's intention gets made very, very clear. So, for instance, you get to the end of the New Testament. You see God's plan being revealed in its fullness in Revelation chapter 5 verse 9. It tells us that God's plan has always been to redeem people from every tribe. Every nation, every language, all, just every people. And that through the work of Christ on the cross, all peoples can have peace with God. In Ephesians chapter 2 verses 14 and 15, Jesus said that he, 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 he tore down the wall that used to keep us at a distance. That kept Gentiles and Jews, that kept races at a distance. And some translations use that, call that the dividing wall. 
The wall that divided uh, people from one another. Verse 14 tells us that God created, in order to tear this wall down, God created a new kind of humanity, making a fresh start for everyone. You know, the Bible says that if you're in Christ, you're a new creature, a new creation. Uh, Paul here in, Ephesus, in this letter to the Ephesians is saying, what God did, he created a new kind of human being in Christ. You're, you can be refreshed because of that. Some, some of the commentators I read about this wall have suggested that what Paul was thinking about in prison when he was writing to the church at Ephesus was he was thinking about this wall that separated the, the Jewish court from the Gentile court. Um, some of you are familiar with the historian, the Jewish historian Josephus. Josephus wrote about the wall. He described it as being about four and a half feet tall and it had warning signs posted on the outside of it in Latin and Hebrew and, and in Greek. And there have been, through archaeological digs, there have been some of those warning signs have, have been discovered. I want you to listen to what one of those signs said. It said, no foreigner is to enter within the railing and enclosure around the temple. Whoever is caught shall have himself to blame for his consequent death. I don't think that's a really good church growth plan. I'm just saying. You know, I don't know whether you saw, uh, the, the, you know, picked up on the, the, the parking lot having been resurfaced and restriped and all that. And we've, we've set aside some parking spaces, bright yellow parking spaces for, um, you know, first time guests. Um, we're not going to put up these signs though. Okay, we're not, we're, we're not going to do that. We're not going to put it because th that's not very inviting. You know, we, we want to put up signs that say all people can come to Christ. The, 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 the wall has been torn down. All people can enter into relationship with God uh, through his son. There's no longer this thing of Gentiles being excluded. Nobody is to be excluded. Nobody is beyond hope for the God through Jesus Christ, who sent his son Jesus. Now, those who were once far from God can, can come into relationship with him because God destroyed that wall. And I, I just want to say something for, for a moment. I'm just going to step away from this for just a second. Don't you be somebody who puts a brick back in it. There is still within our culture, in our world... And this is a global problem. This isn't just an issue, you know, in the South. There's a global problem of racism. Satan continues to try to build that dividing wall. And you and I have to stand on that torn down wall that Jesus tore down on the cross. We have to stand on the broken part, foundation of that wall and say, no. You will not use me to put another brick in that wall. I'll do everything I can to help tear down racism. I'm going to destroy that. Starting in my own heart. And we've got to be true to that. And, and this is something we all need to regularly seek. Uh, just asking God to reveal. Is there something in me? God search my heart on this issue. Because we don't want to see that wall ever rebuilt. And we have to search, we have to just let God do just a, a searching moral inventory of our hearts regularly on this. We don't, we, we don't want to be like the man in, in Jesus' parable who was graciously given that, that massive debt and then wouldn't turn around and forgive his brother for a dollar. You know, we, we don't want to be those people. See this? The way of salvation has been open to all. And our role is to go and tell. Last big picture that I see in God's redemptive plan in the book of Ephesians is this. Is that this plan will always face opposition. And those who try to live out that plan will always face opposition. As children of God, Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1. He says, we are called to imitate God. You and I are called to, to imitate God in, in character, in love, in service. Now, among other things, that means that we need to be on mission. We need to be on the same redemptive mission that God is on. You know, if we're going to imitate him, we've got to be on his mission. But one of the things that you've got to be aware of is that when you're on mission, you will face opposition. This past week... Uh, a gentleman named uh, Israel, I think it's Folau. He's the highest paid soccer player in the, the nation of Australia. 
Um, he had his contract terminated by the league because of the scripture that he posted on his Instagram account. His, his livelihood has been terminated uh, because of that. Now, there's possibility of review and all that kind of stuff, but as of right now, he's without work. I don't know if you heard this, but uh, last Sunday in Nigeria, uh, Pastor Zachariah Ido was taken at gunpoint along with his son and daughter and 14 members of the choir that, that he leads. They were abducted at gunpoint. One, one person was killed uh, during that abduction. And um, this church in Nigeria is broken over the loss of, of, of these brothers and, and, and sisters. And, and we need to be in prayer. We, we need to pray because this is a spiritual fight. Because the gospel is going to be opposed. God's redemptive plan globally is going to be opposed. And I, I just, I want to, let's just take a moment and pray for the church in Nigeria. Uh, let's pray. Father God, we, we come as your people here at River Bluff. God, and, and we're on a weekend where we, where we celebrate our freedom that has been given because of the sacrifice of so many. And I don't know Pastor Ito personally or the brothers and sisters in Christ who were taken captive. But God, I, I just pray for them right now. We pray for them. We join our hearts together. God, we're, we're grateful that that's not kind of the normal experience here in Charleston. But God, it is globally for our brothers and sisters. And so we come now, God, asking you to protect them. We ask you to meet every need that they have while they're in captivity. God, we pray, we pray for their lives. We pray that you would protect them as well. But Father, we also ask you that they might be bold. That might be bold for you. That they would stand firm in their faith no matter the opposition that they, they face. But God, we, we ask you to set them free. We ask you, Lord, we, we pray that their abductors would come to a saving knowledge of you, Jesus. We, we ask for that. We pray, God, for this dividing wall that's in Nigeria right now. That, God, where so many Christians are being martyred for their faith. God, we just, we ask you to tear it down, please, by the power of the gospel, the power of the resurrection of Jesus. We just ask that your kingdom would come now, God. But we realize that we face opposition. So help us, God, know how to stand against it. How to help our brothers and sisters stand and how we too can stand. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In the closing chapter of the book of Ephesians, Paul reminds us that our battle is not against flesh and blood. Our battle is not against those gunmen who would abduct our brothers and sisters. And Paul tells us the only way to be successful in this kind of battle, he tells us in verse 10 this, he says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. I love the way the Living Bible translates this. He says, last of all, Paul's kind of saying, I'm summing up now. I want to remind you that your strength must come from the Lord's mighty power within you. If you and I are going to face the opposition that comes when we try to be on mission with God, it is only going to come by the strength of His might. It's His redemptive plan and it's only by His might that we're going to be able to participate in it. So we have to rely on that. And that, what that means is as Jesus' disciples, we've got to put on the armor that God has given us for this spiritual fight. You know, we, we look for other ways to fight. But God's word says we have to fight in truth. We have to put on the armor of righteousness. We have to put on the gospel of peace. We have to put on faith and salvation. We have to put on the word of God. The third piece of armor that's mentioned in that list in, in Ephesians chapter 6 is found in verse 15. And it, it says this, it says, And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. What that tells me is we've got we've to be ready. Part of what it means to wear the armor of God well is that we've got to be ready to proclaim God's redemptive plan. We've got to be ready to, to, to speak the gospel, the good news of Jesus to people. There needs to be a readiness in, in our souls. Isaiah chapter 52 verse 7 tells us that God's heart towards those who willingly and readily share the gospel. It says this. It says how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news. Who publishes peace. 
who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. I, I can't read that verse without thinking about um, my dear brother D. Norman. Uh, for those of you that haven't heard, uh, D, who has served uh, faithfully at River Bluff in so many ways as a deacon, as an elder, as team leader for the Graham uh, ministry for years, and, and just so many, many other ways, went, went home to be with the Lord Jesus this week. And uh, his, his service is going to be here um, Wednesday night. Uh, visitation is going to be at 6. The, the service will follow at 7 p.m. And um, we're going to celebrate Dee's life. Continue to pray for that family. But one of the things that I just... Uh, Dee just loved sharing the gospel. I mean, he did. Dee was one of those guys in our church that if we had an inkling that somebody was lost, we could give, we, we would sick Dee on them sometimes. I mean, I know that sounds funny, but we, we just, Dee, take this name. Go get him, boy. Um, Dee would just, he loved to share the gospel. And, and so when I think about, you know, I, I, this may sound funny, but this is just how my imagination works. I imagine when, when Dee walked into heaven, the angels were looking at his feet. Because the Bible says the feet of those who carry the gospel are beautiful in the sight of God. So I, I just, I believe the angels stopped in the street and said, man, dude, look at that dude's feet. You know, I don't know that there's going to be a better, uh, uh, just a better experience in heaven than walk through the streets and, and have angels say, man, th that guy's got sweet feet. You know, th that's going to be an incredible eternal experience. And, and that's what the Bible says. That those who are ready to share the gospel, who are standing in the strength of, of the Lord alone. And you know, Paul tells us how to do that, how to stand in that strength, to be ready with the gospel. And he, he, he closes the, kind of his thinking in the, the book of Ephesians in, in verse 19. And he says, and pray for me too. He says, ask God to give me the right words so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan that the good news is for Jews and Gentile alike. And, and you and I, we need to follow Paul here. We got to pray. Pray like we've never prayed before. Despite the opposition. Despite anything that we might face. We, we, we've got to pray. And one of the places that I want to invite you to be a part of praying for. Is a nation that God is giving us favor with right now. And it's the nation of Ecuador. I'm going to ask Team Ecuador if you would begin making your way up to the States for just a minute. We want to share with you a little bit about the work that God has been doing in Ecuador. And what he's invited us into recently. And we're going to go in the same order kind of, of, of sharing that we went in the first service. If, if that's, we, we just kind of made it up as we went in the first service. But we got a plan now. Frank, I'm going to give you that since you're kind of going to start. Um, this is, uh, this is David Douglas and Frank O'Ponick and Julie Welch and returning for his premier engagement, Dave Harden. Um, guys, what I would love for you to do is just share. Uh, we, we were sent into Mbato, um, Ecuador, I believe by the Lord through, through someone that he brought into our church. And God did some, gave us great favor um, with a pastor there who uh, God's doing incredible work through his ministry. Um, but we, we, we've had the privilege now of connecting there. And we came back uh, bringing word to the elder team here that uh, we believe God is calling. That God has, has shown us a vision of how we can be involved in Ecuador as a church in the days ahead. There's lots of opportunities for, for service with a variety of, of gifts there. And um, I've, asked, uh, I've asked the team to come and share a little bit about what God did in them. What they saw God doing um, while they were on, on mission with God in Ecuador. So Frank, if you would begin by sharing what, what the Lord showed you, brother. Uh, great. Well, love seeing your smiling faces. Um, just wanted to let you know I've, I've been a member since we moved to this amazing building, which uh, kind of brings to kind of put a comparison. And again, uh, if you were to think uh, Ecuador is a country of a mean income of about $6,000. That's a medium income. Um, it, the altitude that we were visiting and moving up and down was about 9,000 feet. 
So here we go from literally sea level to 9,000 feet, which uh, it became a bit uh, trial at times. But uh, Jonathan Contante was our, our host, and uh, we were able to, with his uh, guidance, be able to visit about seven churches. Um, one thing that I didn't mention last time was that uh, as Joe preached here two weeks ago, he had the privilege to preach right there at uh, First Baptist in Battle. Uh, some of the things that we did while visiting, we were fortunate enough to help them to paint their, uh, their church. Um, again, visiting several churches, everyone had an amazing um, uh, sense of hospitality towards us and tremendous love. Again, thinking about what, what resources they had, there is no doubt that Christ was in them. Everywhere we went, we were greeted with uh, immense uh, respect. And, uh, and, and one of the things that kind of, one of the churches that really got to my heart was the uh, Kandahar Church, which uh, a, a pastor was, I mean, talk about meager. This was essentially a very rudimentary shack that um, he, you know, he was uh, pastoring there, but the primary thing that I saw there was that the kids, he was attracting so many kids from various uh, close community areas there, but what got me the most is that when we got to hear that they, they needed medical assistance, the kids had a lot of parasites, um, so as we visited, that was probably what got me the most. Kids always get me. Um, and uh, I think all of us came out of there with a tremendous sense of how blessed we really are. Mm. Uh, again, the Roman Catholic Church uh, has tremendous control. Most of the areas you would see a church, if, if this is our building, about half a block you would see the Roman Catholic Church. And again, Many, many instances were restricting the access. So getting to kids allowed them to uh, attract the parents to come to the Lord. And we've seen the Lord at everyone that we met uh, that so lovingly gave us their, uh, their hosting services. Well, I'm gonna ask you if you would pass the mic to David uh, here. I think, yeah, this, this David. And we got bookends of David's here. And uh, David, if you would just kind of share what, what the Lord kind of did that stood out in your heart and mind. Well, I'm going to stand. I got permission in the first service. Okay, thank we'll you. give you permission I'll, again. I'll speak better when I stand. Well, first of all, let me say that for those that have been on a mission trip or done anything and where you're brought up on the stage to speak, usually you have the first few minutes in the um, service and to give your testimony or whatever. Well, this is the first time I've ever sat through Joe teaching twice, and what a privilege that has been to hear Joe teach twice, back to back, which I picked up something really cool is, when I look in the mirror in the morning, I go, oh, wow. Now I can go, oh, God, the light's in me. So that's going to be pretty cool. But anyway, to get back to Ecuador, three things that uh, were on my mind that was going to give me some trouble. Flying was one. Altitude sickness was the other. Uh, and I don't speak Spanish. I've tried to learn Spanish, but I just can't seem to get it. Like I got some kind of mental block or something. Well, anyway, uh, God gave me peace on the flight made that okay. Uh, the altitude, like Frank was talking about, the altitude, uh, I didn't get altitude sickness, but I got a shortness of breath. Like, I was just getting like half breath when we were climbing up to the waterfall, and Jesus just said to me, David, you know, I'm giving you enough breath. You got enough breath. Um, the, the third thing was this. So I don't speak Spanish. So Pastor Jonathan, as we're getting ready to go, we stayed in host homes. So we're getting ready to go, and he says, you know, I'm going to make some changes. Um, I'm going to uh, have you stay with Wilson and his wife, Soraya. Now, if you've ever seen the movie Castaway, you, you've seen that soccer ball where Tom Hanks got a Wilson. He got somebody to communicate with, to share with. 
I got to communicate with Wilson, so I had somebody I could talk to. That helped a lot. Uh, one thing that was really cool was the um, Samaritan's Purse that we got to participate in uh, and to see the children, uh, children as uh, they came to receive their boxes and how the gospel was presented prior to them getting their boxes. But what was even cooler than the kids was the parents. They were just attached to everything that was being said and the love that was being distributed everywhere we went. They focus on getting the children in. If they get the children in, they get the parents in, they get the parents in, and while the kids are fidget and what have you, the parents are fixed on what's being said with any church where we were. Uh, so it, it's a great experience. Uh, I would encourage any of you to uh, go on a mission trip, whether it's uh, out of the United States or whether it's, you know, next door is, is a great thing. But one, one other thing that really has been on my heart is one of the pastors we talked to, uh, he was physically beaten. His, his family disowned him, his father disowned him just because he wanted to love on Jesus and let Jesus love on him. So thank you, River Bluff, for doing what you do, the outreach you do, not only in our community and in our country, but in our world. Um, the singing that went on, I had no clue what they were singing, none at all, but Jesus put a hymn in my heart, so it was all good. Thank you. Thank you, Dave. Um, I, I just want to, while David was speaking about the Operation Christmas Child, how many of you are, are you familiar with uh, Samaritan's Purse Operation Christmas Child? You know, it's, uh, I've longed for the day when we had somebody that God would raise up to kind of lead that at River Bluff, and he's done that now. Um, so Julie Welch is going to be coordinating that work uh, in our church this year, um, and this is going to be her lovely assistant, David. Uh, it, it really was incredible to watch that. I mean, I knew if Franklin Graham was going to be involved in something, the gospel was going to be shared, you know, explicitly, and, and it was in such a beautiful way, and they do that every time um, they distribute those, those boxes, and so we're going to be a part of that in a bigger way in the coming year. If that's in your heart, to, to help see break out more in our church, please let Julie know. Uh, please contact Julie. You can call the office. We'll get you her email and stuff like that. But um, please, please just can consider that uh, in the days ahead. I'm going to save Julie uh, for last. And uh, Dave, if you would go ahead and share what, what the Lord did in you, what you saw while we were in Ecuador. Certainly. Uh, this was my second time into Ambato, and, and I got, believe that God uh, confirmed something in me that I sensed the first time. Our focus on being on global missions is always with discipleship in church planning, but something I sensed before and was confirmed this time was that there are many different opportunities for us as a church family to be involved with discipleship in church planning, all the way from um, people involved in education, in uh, medical care, in building and construction projects, families being on mission helping out with kids and VBS. So for our church family of River Bluff, I believe the opportunities are wide open for, for all of us across the board to be able to join God in his mission in Ecuador. And as uh, this was a vision trip for us to see and experience and ask God um, if this was a place where he would have us continue to be on mission and what that would look like for us. I believe God answered those questions. So I was very thankful for that. Amen. Amen. Yeah, a lot of opportunities. And if I didn't say this already, um, you know, the, the elders of River Bluff have said, we have heard the Lord in this. And this is, this is one of our primary mission engagements now uh, in the days ahead. Now, some, somebody asked me, does that mean we're not going back to Cuba? No. That does not mean that. Um, uh, it means that this is a both-and thing, that God is calling us in, into both locations. Now, Julie, um, I started to say she's native Ecuadorian. She probably feels like it sometimes. Julie uh, is the daughter of uh, some Southern Baptist missionaries who their assignment was in Ecuador. So she grew up uh, in Ecuador. And you had been out of the country how long? 26 years. 26 years. So this was kind of like a homecoming for you. You got to actually connect, reconnect with some relationships and God did some good things. What, what did the Lord do in you that was prominent and what did you see there when you came back? Well, just being back home was amazing um, and it still feels like home. 
the people are so warm and friendly, and it's beautiful there. Uh, the mountains are just so close to my heart, and um, it's funny because they were all surprised it was a little chilly there, and I'm like, well, we're at elevation. We're not, I know we're on the equator, but we're up in the mountains, so it is gonna be colder. Uh, the weather was beautiful. It was, God cleared up what we thought was gonna be rain most of the time, and we had gorgeous weather, and uh, the people welcomed us into their homes. We stayed in host homes. I got to know the lady I stayed with. Um, they're just very kind and open and want us to come back and build relationships. And um, in Ecuador, it's very Roman Catholic, uh, and it's not with the separation of church and state. They're very much together, and there's a lot of power and control. Most cities and towns have a square with a Roman Catholic church and municipal building on the opposite side. So that just kind of goes to show what's controlling every little town and village. And um, they handle birth certificates, marriage licenses, and all that. So when families try to go to another church, like evangelical, they will threaten to not give them the rights and privileges of those documents and things, and that just make it really hard on people to attend uh, any evangelical churches in the area. So some of the places we were in, kids would actually take the long way around to get into the church so no one would see them. But um, like, like they said and shared, children were the main focus. Like if you can reach the children, you can reach the parents because they will be drawn in. And if they see you loving on their kids, they're going to want to be a part of that. So I would love to see families going and working and bringing in kids and connecting with those families. And it's about building relationships and not just going once and just finishing and being, okay, we're done. We did something good that week. But going back and seeing growth and seeing change and seeing that relationship grow. So... Yeah, yeah. I, I'm going to ask you, Julie, if you would, to, to just lead a, a time of prayer for, for our church, for our brothers and sisters, our persons of peace that God has given us in Ecuador, and, um, and uh, for the gospel to just come to, to Ecuador, if you would, please, ma'am. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity to go with this wonderful team, um, to see the different opportunities you have and the doors that are open for us to serve as a church and to come alongside the locals and help them be equipped and to go out and make more disciples, Lord. Uh, I pray for our church that you will touch the hearts of the members, Lord, that they will feel called to go. And if they cannot go, that they will be a part of the sending and the praying and the lifting up and support, Lord. I pray that we can be bold in sharing the gospel, that we can connect and just see you do your work, Lord, through us. I thank you so much for the blessing and privilege it is to worship freely without persecution here, Lord. I pray for the people of Ecuador and those who are hardened, Lord, that you will soften their hearts. And thank you so much again for blessing of worship and being here together. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to let you guys head back to your seats, if you would. Y'all thank them for, for their sharing. Um, You know, we, God literally brought all of this Ecuador stuff together by bringing um, a family to our church a couple years ago. And um, during that, uh, before we ever went into Ecuador, Pastor Jonathan came to the States and Kathy and I were privileged to host him for a meal in our home and with some members of the team that eventually ended up going. And he's a great man of God. And, uh, but one of the things that I, I watched, uh, just the humility of this man, when, when we were, uh, I think in our first day, kind of out, uh, Jonathan was just sharing some things about what we were going to do and where we were going to go and what he had planned. And I just felt compelled of the Lord to ask him a question. And the question was this, Jonathan, if you, if you look in your surrounding area and see places where there is no gospel community, where there is no evangelical church, and God puts something unique on your heart, would you take us there? And let us pray with you over that, those towns. And uh, Jonathan changed our schedule the next day to do that for us. Um, he talked about how that question kind of haunted him and uh, re-quickened his mind for the church planting movement. He, he, he said, I mean, he was just, again, so humble about it, uh, saying that, you know, he was so grateful that we came, if for nothing else, but to ask him that one question. 
And he went back to his leaders. We got to meet with his church leaders and he shared that with them. That this is something that God has put on his heart now. And he took us to three different villages, to three different towns. And one of them, uh, I think, was the other kind of movement of God on our team was there's a, a, a town called Cairo. There's about 20,000 people in it. There's no evangelical work there. And, and I believe that God wants us to partner with First Baptist and Jonathan to see a work started there. And I think we're going to get to see see that in the days ahead but I, I want to invite you to pray into that that we would get to be a part we'd be privileged to be a part of planting churches that are gospel centered and again pray for your brothers and sisters uh, in, in, in Ecuador who are facing persecution by the Catholic Church. I mean, they're being cut off from things like you, you can't open a bank account if you can't have access to your birth certificate and your marriage license. And they, they hold those things. And so just, there, there's just ways that persecution is taking place there. Pray for them, especially for those who are trying to lead a movement. Pray for those little kids that are walking around miles out of the way to go to an evangelical church so they can hear about Jesus because they're afraid if the, if the Catholic priest sees them, uh, they'll be in trouble. I mean, pray for those things and pray for the persecution that's going on around the world. Now, one of the things I just want to say, uh, because if we, go, if we go around the world and don't stop for a minute and just say this here when we meet, um, then, then we've lost it. Uh, if, if you're here today and you hear us talking about the gospel of Jesus, you hear us talking about God's plan to redeem a lost world, and you're saying, I don't really understand that. But I want to. I want to walk with God. I want to have the kind of personal relationship with God that the people that were up here a minute ago sharing that moved them to, you know, spend $1,500 of their own money to go on mission with God to do something with the gospel. If you don't know the love of God that would compel you to do something like that, I would love the opportunity to share. Pastor Terry would love to. God, Dave, we, we, would, we would love the opportunity to tell you about Jesus who loves you so much and has an incredible plan for your life that involves God's plan of world redemption. And so what I want us to do right now is I want to take a moment to pray. And you can, you can talk to God. You just tell him what's on your heart right now. And then I want to lead us to pray. Let, let's pray. Father, we, we come at this moment believing that the good news about your love for us displayed through the life of the death, the burial, the resurrection of your son Jesus, his birth, God. The beauty of that displayed your love, your great love for all of humanity, every single human being, no matter what they've done or who they did it with or, or how long they've done it. God, you, your heart is for us as we sang earlier. You want to be with us. And so God, if there's anybody in this room today that does not know you personally, through the sacrifice that your son made on their behalf. I pray, God, that their hearts would be pricked and they would long to know the God of all creation, the God of the world who is setting about redeeming this whole lost mess. And if that's you, you could just cry out to the Lord today and say, God, I want that. I want Jesus. I want to know that love. And I, I turn from doing life my way. I reject my sin and I choose Jesus. And the Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You can call on him today. But most of us here are people gathered to worship God, to hear from him, to have him challenge us and, and comfort us. And maybe today he's challenged you about being on mission with him more. Maybe it's, maybe he's not calling you to cross an ocean. Maybe he's not calling you, you know, to go to Ecuador or Cuba. Maybe today he's calling you to cross the street, to take the gospel to a neighbor. Maybe he's calling you to be up here Saturday morning to, to serve with in-depth, looking for opportunities to share with those that we would hand food to, an opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus, the good news of grace being made available to everyone. Maybe it is God's calling you to prepare yourself for a global missions experience. Maybe you need to begin setting aside some money to do that, sacrificially doing that. Whatever it is right now, whatever God is calling you to, we know that God calls all of those who follow him to steward the resources he's given us. So we come to this part of our service for those of us who are part of River Bluff to give back to God, 
10%, the tithe is what he says, at least, and then our offerings above that to go for the sake of the mission, the global mission of God of world redemption, starting here in our own city and neighborhoods and extending to the uttermost parts of the world. And so, God, we come. We ask you to take our gifts, our offerings, your tithe. We ask you to, God, bless it in such a way that it miraculously accomplishes your perfect will for this broken planet. And help us, God, as we worship you now, as we think about what it would look like to be sent out by the God of all creation to proclaim your love to a lost world. Help us, God, to give generously and to celebrate your call on our lives fanatically. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you're in North Charleston this Sunday, please consider visiting us at our 9 o'clock or 11.30 services. We'd love to see you. Again, for more information, visit riverbluff.org. Now go change the world.